Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Tell Me Solid podcast. I'm Logan. Here with me today is Andrew Rodriguez. How's it going today, Andrew? Not too bad. Not too bad. I do. Yeah, for me, it's been kind of an interesting day because uh, I start. I've stopped drinking uh, diet cokes since they're bad for my liver. Apparently, you know, they're not good for you in a lot of ways. And uh, I've started drinking tea, but uh, it's uh, it's really hurting my caffeine intake, and it makes me angry at everybody. Also, also, Man, I think I think when you quit smoking, the same thing happens too. Uh, when you quit most things, you just kind of get upset with people, you know. And you got that. You always have that one coworker who claps at everything, and you're like, I just want to punch you in the face. That's one of those kind of people that claps when the plane lands. Yeah. Well, I'm like, like I probably would have wanted to punch him in the face anyway. But you know, I just you know, it is exacerbated by the lack of caffeine. I don't know. But hey, what's speaking of? Punching people in the face. That wasn't. There was no transition there. Uh, college football. So I guess we're gonna pick up last week. I mean, honestly, there wasn't much to talk about. By the time we had done the cast last week, the most exciting game, Western Michigan versus Toledo, had already been played. Uh, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of excitement last week. Um, I guess to me, the most exciting game was. Probably Virginia Tech Miami with UNC Wake Forest also being up there. Boston College Notre Dame was good for a half. So I guess my my uh, it looks like Illinois Rutgers was close, but I didn't watch any of that one. So it was on the Big Ten Network, so it's kind of hard uh, to Western Kentucky beat Southern Miss ten to seven. I mean, that looks like a really boring game because Western Kentucky was up 10 to nothing at the half and Southern Miss scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, I don't think that was that exciting. Uh, Northwestern uh, Purdue. Southern 40 to 38 over Texas State. Low-key looks like it was pretty interesting, but again, I didn't watch it. Uh, I mean, the other two that kind of stood out was Nebraska over Penn State, but no one would watch that because both teams are terrible. And, um, no, I, that. And I think like Nebraska reached out to a big lead yeah, I mean, they were up 27-6 to six in the halves. So. Yeah, they never got behind in that game. Yeah. And then uh, Northwestern-Purdue was also an interesting matchup, but I think it's kind of a similar situation. I don't know that Northwestern was ever behind, and Purdue played catch-up the entire time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there were some definitely some other matchups that were interesting, but I think the key thing we're looking at right now is this is – about four games in on the Big Ten season, and you're starting to see which way the wind is blowing for some of these teams. In particular, uh, Penn State and uh, Michigan, not not looking great for either of those coaches. I mean, uh, I think Penn State has totally caught me off guard, too, because they went 0-4, which, I mean, 0-1 when you go against... Uh, Ohio State, you know, you kind of expect that. Everything since has been kind of like, what on earth is happening over there? I mean, the Pitt, Ohio State, Indiana, sure, you know, everything else since has been a mess. And then, of course, Michigan, we've been talking about them for a few weeks. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of the hot seat for some of these coaches right now? Yeah, I, I think Harbaugh is definitely in trouble. 
at Michigan because his saving grace for the longest time was, well, he can't beat Ohio State, but, you know, he wins nine to ten games. Well, you know, now he's absolutely falling apart. Uh, so the problem is, and, you know, you kind of saw this. I was surprised with South Carolina and Will Muschamp. These athletic programs right now are dealing with just incredible financial crunches due to COVID. And so to kind of sling around the amount of money to fire a coach, to pay his buyout, and then to have to hire a new coach and a new staff, I mean, that's that's a lot of money that I think a lot of programs are, are really struggling with. So, you know, Michigan may not be one of those Penn State again. I mean, they're probably some of the higher-end programs in terms of the finances, but still – you know, it's just one where I I wonder how much you're really going to look to get rid of coaches this year just because of the financial side of it, you know. And that's kind of my thought is. But, you know, even then, man, it's it, – like you said, caught me off guard completely. Uh, it almost looks like the, the law and an overtime just broke them. Yeah, I don't know if it's just that their team can't is really just struggling psychologically. I mean, I'm looking at the quarterback stats, 14 of 31 for 219 yards. Like, ugh, that's just rough. But I don't know if it's injuries, but they, they have just completely fallen apart from where I expected them to be early on before the season started. Um, I do want to kind of stick with coaches for a bit just because – I, I do find it interesting, as you pointed out, uh, Will Muschamp. You you actually called it, didn't you? You said that if he lost, I, he... I, I mean, I knew he was kind of on the hot seat. Um, <laughs> I just didn't. Again, it caught me off guard to to run him off um, in a COVID season. Um, I'm interested to see who they hire. Uh, I know who I think they should hire, but you know, I'm not Ray Tanner, their athletic director. So there are talks now about how many other coaches would possibly get fired this season and I'm not sure that anybody else can kind of make those judgment calls I mean we've joked about uh Auburn being a potential hot seat um UCLA UCLA I don't even know what to make of them anymore as far as decision making they uh they beat Cal yeah they did turn around there I just I I don't I don't trust them even if they have a bad season to be like to decide to fire uh, Chip Kelly is Chip Kelly still there? I'm not. I'm not losing my yes. mind, right? Yeah. He is. And then, um, I mean, some of these other programs, I just don't think they've got enough justification, as you said, in a COVID season, to kind of make a firing decision. Michigan's one of those few programs that kind of has that luxury. Michigan State, there's a whole bunch of other drama surrounding that. And it's and it's his first season, so I don't I don't think they run him out of town. Uh. P.J. Fleck in Minnesota, but I think this is just his think, first bad time, so I don't think they're going to yeah. run him out. Um, yeah, he's, he's got enough goodwill from from previous seasons that this bad COVID season I don't think will cause him to lose his job. Uh, <laughs> the ones that I'm looking at are, I, I am convinced Lovey Smith in Illinois is getting fired every year. Yeah, I'm not like, sure. They, they, they never get better, and he doesn't get fired, so I'm really not sure what's going on over there. <laughs> but, um, but Andrew, they're better than Rutgers. <laughs> what, are they? they? Well, yeah, I guess they did. They, they beat Rutgers. Rutgers. Yeah, they did. That was the deciding uh, game. Anyway. You no, know, uh, 
Dio Babers at Syracuse is a guy we talk about, and all of a sudden he wins. Um, David Cutcliffe at Duke won't probably get fired, but I could see him retiring. What about Louisville? Um, that's his second season. Uh, right? So probably not. I, and he took him to a bowl game last year, so I think Satterfield's okay there. Now, he may be a name that's thrown in the hat for the South Carolina job. Mm. Um, the guy that I'm watching is um, David Shaw at Stanford. Yeah. They've, they've really struggled. They haven't been 9-10 win Stanford for a couple of years, and so that's one where I think you kind of look and go, okay, well, maybe he's starting to get a little bit on the hot seat there. And then uh, I don't think it's a hot seat situation, but I think an article came out uh, just this morning about how bad the program is at Florida State. And I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. Did you read that article? Uh, I read some of it. I, I'd be lying if I said I read the whole thing. Oh, my Lord. I mean, that article was nuts. <laughs> I mean, just infighting the boosters, like the president of the booster not wanting Jimbo Fisher to start a charity for his son's condition because he didn't want to worry about splitting fan donate like. It was nasty. I absolutely understand why Jimbo Fisher left. Like, I have no problem. You know, at first I thought, okay, why do you leave? But after reading this article, you know what, Jimbo? Go get that money. I mean, it was all about the clubhouse drama, and clearly there's a lot going on. I'm just, I can't understand where the program gets off, where, you know, these boosters are getting off feeling like the, basically feeling like they run the program. I don't even know. Because they give the money. I mean, that's the thing is, is you you can struggle at times when you have boosters who are too hands on. Where and I think Auburn has struggled with this a lot, especially with Jimmy Reigns, who was always kind of like the kingmaker at Auburn, who you know donated tons and tons and tons and tons of money and really was more hands on than he should have been in that program versus say like a T Moon Pickens at Oklahoma State, who seems to just kind of donate a ton of money and then let them run the program. Um, I mean, I feel like it, unless you want to get – it's hard for me to say because I'm not the one throwing a bunch of money at a football program. But, like, I feel like there's a reason that there's a coach. You can't just say, like, well, I'm, th- I'm spending a bunch of money on this college program that's not supposed to be money-based, so I get a say in how everything works. It's like – I don't even know. Yeah, but the thing is, as a head coach, unfortunately, part of your job is schmoozing and glad-handing with boosters. And, I mean, that's that's always going to be part of it. I think some guys, I think it was an issue with Paul Johnson at George Tech a little bit. I'm not sure if he was the guy that really cared about that part of the job and, and you know, maybe alienated some of the boosters. But, uh. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal. I don't know what... And I don't think it's going to get any better anytime soon. Jeez, that that was uh... – but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Florida State's got a long way before the end of the season. Um, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty much done. You got anything else to highlight from last week? Uh, Florida's win. I think Kyle Trask becoming a front runner since he basically had the, the only game played last week. Yeah, you know, Indiana kept – Kept winning. They beat Michigan State, which Michigan State's not very good this year. So that was, but it was good for Indiana to kind of win that convincingly to not play down to their opposition. We kind of already talked about Michigan losing. Uh, Marshall keeps rolling, still undefeated. Uh, blew out Middle Tennessee. Which, by UNC, the way, the uh, anniversary. So that was kind of a big deal for them. Oh yeah, that was kind of cool. 
Uh, Liberty won again. Uh, they've got a test against North Carolina State this weekend, so Liberty kind of keeps trucking along. I uh, just want to touch on that since I, I, I brought it up, so I guess I have to spell it out. Yeah, so for Marshall last week, was it the 50th anniversary or the 20th? I think so. Yeah, the 50th anniversary. I I don't know, 25th anniversary maybe. It was it was a big number anniversary. Uh, on that program, they had a plane crash that lost most of their uh, football program. I would say the vast majority of the football program. So they came back to recover from that. There's a big movie about it. We are Marshall, and I'm sure you can find stuff online. But yeah, that was a big game for them. So I'm sure. With them continuing to roll, this is a pretty important season. We'll see. I don't. I, again, I kind of throw them in the same category as Liberty. I don't know that they're going to do anything, but it's kind of cool to see them rolling along. Anyway, sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you're good. But yeah, that, that game. Um, uh, TCU lost again, which is kind of weird. Uh, Kentucky Vanderbilt got kind of weird late. It was one of those games where. Kentucky had a lead the whole game, and Vanderbilt like kind of looked like they were going to make it close, but you had a feeling because it's Vanderbilt that it was never actually that close. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, I I never Northern, never had faith in never had faith in Vanderbilt. No, you know Georgia Southern beat Texas State forty to thirty eight in a game that I kind of wish I had watched. That's a pretty cool high scoring game. Nevada is sneakily 4-0, <laughs> in case anyone was wondering, and as is San Jose State. Yeah, San Jose State, I, I do want to shout out to them, because talk. I, I think that's usually a program we do nothing but shit on every year. They're one of the worst programs in the nation. I don't know that they're going to continue this road of success, but for them to be 4-0, hey, more power to them, that's great. Um, yeah, you know, I think it looks like they played Nevada at the end of the year, so that might be a cool undefeated versus undefeated Mountain West game. I don't know about that. I mean, you still got to go through what Boise State, uh, both of those teams do, or Boise State and Fresno State. So I don't think Fresno's very good this year, though. They're three and one. Yeah, I guess, they're all so. they're all right. You know, I don't. I mean, it's always hard to gauge where these teams are, but yeah, I think Fresno would be the challenger traditionally. Boise State would be the challenger traditionally. We'll see what happens. Uh, Air Force, I don't even know if Air Force is very good this year, but, you know. I don't, think, I don't think they are. They just, you know, they boat race Navy, and then the game had canceled against Army, which, again, makes me wonder, like, how the Commander-in-Chief trophy works, but can they just be automatically given to Navy and just said, all right, deal with it? Last thing I'm kind of curious about, do you feel like, since we're getting closer, now we got to kind of do the Heisman bullsh- bullshit where we hype it up. Um, do you feel like Derek King kind of knocked himself out with his game against Virginia Tech? Or are we saying that Virginia Tech is that good on defense that they kind of made him struggle a little bit? Eh, I mean, he had, he, had, he had one bad game. Uh, you know, everyone's bound to do that. My problem is that I think there's too many other quarterbacks ahead of him. Yeah. Well, especially I after... That's his problem. I mean, he also completed 63% of his passes that had a touchdown and threw no interceptions. I mean... He had a 128.8 rating against Virginia Tech. Not like Virginia Tech really did that much to him. They shut him down running the ball, but... I mean, the problem is you got 
from the performances last week that we're going off of, you've also got Ian Book, who went 20 for 27, three touchdowns through the air, 85 yards on the ground, one touchdown. Kyle Trask, 23 of 29, 356 yards through the air, six touchdowns. Uh, hell, even in – I don't even think he's going to, you know, be a contender, but Sam Howell, 550 I yards. Jesus. Well, I don't know that even – the problem is when you get that nitpicky. Uh, again, if I wanted to – I personally would want to go with the best player. But if you do that, you've really got to put a lot of thought into every player. And when you get down to that kind of nitty-gritty, the problem is Sam Howell's had some fantastic games. He's also had some games where he's just looked average. And if you're going for the very, very best player, I need a guy who's looking great to good every single game. Like he didn't look, he did not look great in the Boston College game they played. Now he put up enough to win, but he didn't look like unbelievable, fantastic. Last week though, he almost set. I think it was an NC that was it an ACC record for yardage or an NCAA. I think so. Yes, I think it was an ACC record. But that was yeah, five hundred fifty-three yards through the air. That's just ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, and then even uh, I think. There was one other guy. Who am I thinking of? Uh, probably Wisconsin. I don't even know the stats. Talking about Graham, talking about Graham Mertz. Uh, the running starter is. I mean, his problem is they have had two games canceled. Yeah, so he's already kind of behind. But otherwise, I would be like, oh yeah, he. I mean, it's probably going to be. I was Mac thinking. Jones, Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, Ian Book, and I don't know some random dude. It's it's going to be Kyle Trask, the quarterback at BYU, will show up, but he won't be a contender. Um, probably Trevor Lawrence and probably the quarterback at Alabama, if I had to guess. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. And then they might throw in a fifth one. They might throw in Ian Book. The problem is Ian Book uh, didn't start getting like the – prime time kind of picturesque stuff until he beat Clemson. So he would need it doesn't to make... matter. He's the starting quarterback in Notre Dame. They're undefeated. They're in contention for a national title. He's gonna get Heisman shit even if he doesn't deserve it because it's all about Notre Dame. It's the same reason Manti Teo got Heisman shit when he didn't even he had pedestrian numbers in middle linebacker and he had a fake girlfriend. <laughs> he does does he still have a fake girlfriend though? That I don't know. But I mean I you know, I remember looking at that and seeing his numbers and being like, okay, yeah, they're good, but his numbers aren't – there are a lot of guys at linebacker that had as good of if not better numbers than he did. But because he played at Notre Dame, because he had this story, he got Heisman consideration. You know, and that's, and that's what is interesting is sometimes the Heisman gets too focused on the story. Mm. I guess that's, that's also another yeah. factor, isn't Which it? Which is where Ian Book is going to get involved. Yeah. Uh, question. Um, this has nothing to do with college football. Before we move into next week, I just kind of want to get your uh, tension, uh, lower your tension after the rant. Uh, <laughs> is, so, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks, right? Yeah. Yes. Is the best pitcher 
for the Arizona Diamondbacks playing for the Arizona Cardinals? Kyler Murray. Murray was Murray was drafted by the Oakland. Uh, it's God, it's a joke. God damn it. All right, anyway, so no, it's fine. He was he was also an outfielder. This is why I don't think you would enjoy um, Ted Lasso. I feel like that would ups- that show would upset you a lot. I've heard it's really funny. Um, I just refuse to pay for another streaming service. I have too many of them as it is. You can get it on Plex, but anyway, we're not going to talk about that here. That might guess. Um, that, that's how we get arrested. I mean, what? Uh, anyway, so this week. Um, Honestly, I'm not sure. I feel like the big matchup should traditionally be Indiana-Ohio State, but I guess since Fox has it, that's not the one that they're going to be hyping up. I think. Where, gonna... where is game day this week? It's in Bedlam, I'm pretty sure. It's in Oklahoma. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm, at least I'm pretty sure, unless they picked another neutral site like they did with the Masters, which was... I don't know. I don't know what your feelings are on that. I I thought it was super cool and super awesome, but I also love the Masters. So I thought it was kind of a slap in the face, but I mean, it wasn't the. It wasn't what. The who? I just thought like most people were okay. So keep in mind, Marshall had their big anniversary last year of the plane crash, and I think a lot of people were hoping that they would have it at Marshall. To kind of do a celebration, to be a cel- to be in celebration of that. Um, instead, I think I don't think it's the worst thing they could have done. Um, and I think, given the situation, it was kind of a cool thing that we'll probably never see again. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can see why people would be upset. I don't know. Yeah, I I kind of wish, and this has always kind of been my pet peeve, but I really really wish that game day would go to more like, out-of-the-way places. You know, like, yeah, they've done Fargo a couple of times, but, uh, you know, I'd really love them to do a lot, a lot more, like, FCS and, and D2 and D3 and, you know, cool stuff like that, just just to see it, just to see them in other places. You know, I, I get that they want to go to the big games, they want to go to the big crowds and all this stuff, but I think it'd be cool if they did it just to show just the diversity of the pageantry of college football. Yeah, I think it's – I think that's also – Kind of why they picked the Masters right now is because even if they went, um, there probably wouldn't be a big crowd, which I understand. But uh, it's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people got uppity because, you know, they want, kind of like you, they want to at least see it at a football venue. They want to see it at different venues, at smaller venues that don't normally have it. And they feel like by taking it to the Masters, it kind of stole somebody else's opportunity, which I get, but at the same time, like I said, I think that's a unique thing that is never, ever going to happen again. Although, uh, more credit, by the way, credit to Dustin Johnson. I didn't watch the entirety of that, but that also, was... Also, also Andy Ogletree uh, was the low amateur. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, he... he actually did better than Matt Kuchar and Larry Mahais, who were the other two Yellow Jackets. I think, I think he would have so... done... Like better, he really struggled on the first round. He had, I think, yeah. yeah. Which, which awesome on him for the perseverance and fighting back to make the cut and then, and then make low amateur. Yeah, good on him. But anyway, okay, college football podcast. All right, so this week we've got three uh, big matchups, or at least to my eye, the top three would be Indiana, Ohio State, which is on Fox, Wisconsin, uh, Fox at noon. Wisconsin at Northwestern, which is ABC 330. And then the Bedlam matchup, which is at uh, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma, 730 
p.m. all times EST, Eastern Standard Time. So, yeah, those are the kind of the big matchups. I guess, I don't know if you want to run through a few other low-key matchups. I'm kind of interested to see Liberty going on the road to NC State. Uh, we'll be, uh, we'll see if NC State can do what Virginia Tech was unable to do and shut down Liberty. Uh, Michigan after a terrible start playing, going around the road at Rutgers. Um, yeah. Do you have any other little minor matchups you want to burn through before we get to the big key ones? I think minor matchup is an insult, uh, because everyone knows the noon game to watch is the one on ESPN2 between Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina. You really think Appalachian State? Well, I think they'll challenge. Do you think they're going to beat? Look, Coastal's only a five and a half point favorite. I'm kind of shocked by that. Uh huh. I don't know. I mean, I'm super stoked for it. It's two teams that I really like, so that'll probably be the noon game. Tickets as low as one hundred and seventy-five dollars. Jesus. Yeah, dude. uh, Brook Stadium in Conway, South Carolina. It's like twenty minutes away from Myrtle Beach. Oh. I, I will that is definitely the next map up up. I don't know why that gets second fiddle to Florida at Vanderbilt, but okay, sure. I uh, mean, that can Florida score a hundred points? It's possible. It's uh, at Vandy. I could go to that game. This is true. Um, it I'm does, not going to. I don't I don't think the I don't think Vandy's selling tickets actually because I'm looking at it's the, like Clemson at Florida State. Like that's that's really not that shouldn't be a game. Well, I, I'm starting to realize that it's more like, well, all the Clemson fans are going to be watching that game, and all the Florida fans are going to be watching the other game. There just aren't as many, like, hardcore Coastal Carolina fans yet. Although, if they make the playoffs, who knows? Anything is possible. I, mean, I am proselytizing as much as I can. There are some other interesting ones. Uh, Arkansas could win its, like, second SEC matchup against LSU. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um... BYU playing North Alabama. Should, should be North Alabama. They should, they should get like 70 points. How close uh, are we expecting UCF to play Cincinnati? I mean, Cincinnati's only a six-point favorite, so that'll be an interesting game to, to watch because, you know, UCF's kind of struggled more than we expected them to, and Cincinnati's been the darling of the Americans, so that, that's one that, you know, maybe worth keeping an eye on. <laughs> That's that's the problem. They played us early, and we lulled them into a false sense of security. We did. They, they, you know, we, we absolutely we, did. We, that's how we. That's how Georgia Tech rolls. Um, yeah, I mean, some other matchups: Kentucky at uh, Alabama, Army, Army Georgia Southern. That would be that would be fun. fun with that game, but yeah, that game might take like an hour and a half because neither team really wants to throw the ball a lot. So, uh, Iowa at Penn State. I would probably take that one at three thirty. Uh, I, I was really bounced back struggling early in the season. So, yeah, I think Iowa's probably going to win that one. Yeah, they're starting to turn it around. I mean, I'd like to see Penn State bounce back. I just have no expectations. I just don't – I don't know what to make of them anymore. Uh, Virginia Tech it might be low-key a little interesting. When Virginia Tech's a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. But we also know that Pitt's offense is absolute garbage. So that might be a really low-scoring game. Or uh, do you think Mississippi State will finally have it together and beat Georgia in Athens? It makes me really, make really happy, but I don't expect it to happen. No, probably not, um, if we're being realistic. So, South Carolina. South Carolina's first game after Will Muschamp got fired. Against Missouri, so they'll probably win. I mean, Lord only knows. 
USC Utah uh, at nine thirty Central, ten thirty Eastern. So I mean, that's that's a Pac twelve after dark. USC that, that is might be exciting. Yeah, USC is like really decided they're not playing uh, 9.30 a.m. games anymore. They're like getting as far away from that as possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so back to the big three. Uh, Indiana, Ohio State. So I guess Indiana, for lack of a better kind of analogy, they're kind of the darlings this year, coming off a great start. Um, you know, there, there's the hype train of nine win Indiana that we've talked about a few times here where anything can happen. Um, and Ohio State, uh, despite being number three in the country, I think the quote-unquote big game they played was against Penn State, and we found out not, not exactly what we thought Penn State was going to be. Their other two games were Nebraska and Rutgers. So depending on how you view this, you could argue that this is going to be their first real challenge. And, of course, Maryland got canceled. So, um, I'm, I'm not sure. Do you think that uh, this will be difficult for Ohio State, or do you think uh, that they should pretty much run away with it? I think it might be a little difficult, but I, I kind of expect them to run away with it. I mean, they're they're a 20-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This will be a chance for them to really – make a statement and say, hey, don't leave us out of the playoff, even if we only play seven games. So I think this will be, uh, you know, and I'll feel bad for Indiana, but I, again, I think this is a really good Ohio State team. Well, you look at yeah. transit property doesn't mean anything, but Indiana needed overtime to beat Penn State, and Ohio State handled them pretty well. So, Well, and you also see, I think the clear difference will be Justin Fields at quarterback. I mean, that's yeah. just my guess. The dude is 72 of 83, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions on the year. I mean, only 900 yards, but granted, they've only played three games. He hasn't played the full game in most of those. So, I mean, take that for what you will. They're putting up ridiculous numbers. Now, uh, the defense hasn't looked uh, as solid. I don't know if that's because they just kind of stopped putting effort in after the first half. But... uh, it hasn't mattered because they put up so many points that, you know, it's just the other teams can't keep up. Other than Penn State, nobody's put up a fight. So, yeah, I, I have to go with Ohio State. Uh, if Indiana pulls it off, I'm going to be really happy, but I just don't see it. Yeah, it's kind of my approach. Uh, Wisconsin at Northwestern. So this is another kind of darling. Although Northwestern, the past few years, has done a lot of good jobs turning things around. So I guess it kind of depends on your freaking ads. I guess it also is another interesting one because, again, Wisconsin's only played, like, one game. Uh, and Two. They beat Illinois and Michigan. Oh, yeah, oh wow. They beat Illinois. Great. I know. I know. Again, we still don't know how Levy Smith doesn't get fired. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, I think – Again, kind of like the Penn State argument, nobody's going to really argue that those are very good teams. Uh, Nebraska, kind of in the same boat, though. I mean, Purdue might have been the toughest opponent they played. Iowa, I guess, early. And then we're not really sure what to make of Maryland yet. Um, Or unless you know something I don't. I I don't know what to make of Maryland yet. So, yeah, this – go ahead. Yeah, and – I mean, I think I think Wisconsin's gonna win it, just because Northwestern's games have been really close. 
and uh, Wisconsin to me is the best team that Northwestern will have played so far this season. So I, I mean, I love the Wildcats. I love smart people schools like Northwestern, uh, you know, and I love Pat Fitzgerald, but I just think that, you know, Wisconsin's kind of been the, the class of, of the West, and I think they'll keep that going. I will give the Northwestern more of a chance in this matchup because I think the key thing that they need to focus on and that they probably will focus on in this game is trying to shut down the run game, which is very difficult to do with Wisconsin. Um, they're, they've gotten, they're averaging 261.5 on the ground. Um, but I think that's a clear focus for them. And if Northwestern can manage to shut down the run game, it'll at least give them a chance to keep it close. I'm kind of expecting, though, this to be one of those scenarios where it'll look close at the half, and then halftime adjustments get made and Wisconsin just runs away with it. That's kind of what I'm expecting to see. Um, Whereas at the Ohio State game, I expect Ohio State to just pull away early and then never look back. But uh, I will say, if Northwestern can stay in it, who knows? This is, uh, as always, keep it close, get some turnovers, anything's possible. Uh, turnovers change games. All right, last up, I think, and oddly enough, the closest of our matchups probably, um, Oklahoma State going on the road to Oklahoma for Bedlam. Uh, Oklahoma's favored by seven points, which uh, I, I guess kind of a surprise depending on your perspective. I know Oklahoma struggled really early, but ever since then they've turned around after their four, four overtime win against uh, Texas. And uh, the, if you're looking at head-to-head, I guess they Oklahoma State lost in overtime to Texas. Otherwise, um, yeah, I think Oklahoma has just generally looked better on stats on both sides of the ball compared to Oklahoma State, despite – Oklahoma State allegedly having a Heisman candidate in Chubba Hubbard here. So I I think it, they're right in choosing Oklahoma. I It's a rivalry game, though, and anything can happen. And Oklahoma State has played some good matchups. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, I think Oklahoma was just really bad early on. I think they just struggled in the beginning. And so I think that, uh, you know, and it's always interesting to look at the Bedlam series where Oklahoma's won it 89 times and Oklahoma State has won it 18 times. Mm. (laughs) Like that kind of, to me, puts it in perspective of, uh, you know, even really good, I'm, I'm looking at it. Mike Bundy's only won Bedlam twice in 2011 and 2014. And it hasn't even been relatively close. It was close in 2018. But other than that, Oklahoma has pretty much, I mean, the history of the robbery, Oklahoma has just absolutely demolished Oklahoma State. And I think, I don't know if it'll be that big of a margin but I think I think Oklahoma's gonna win it oh I pretty, think yeah I think again this is another situation where the Oklahoma State has a way to victory but their way to victory is incredibly difficult and that's essentially that 
they have to keep an Oklahoma offense that's averaging 515 yards a game from getting away early. Um, and I don't know. I don't know that uh, they've got the talent to necessarily do that. They've kept the games kind of low scoring and close against teams like Iowa State and Kansas State. But I mean, in the games that they've really struggled with, uh, like Texas, the, the scoring gets really high and it just gets hard for them to keep up. So uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence, for lack of a better term, in Oklahoma State. Their defense is really going to have to prove something if they're going to win this game. Yeah, uh, I mean they're going to have to try to shut down Spencer Rattler, who's quietly put together a, a pretty impressive season as a as a redshirt freshman. You know, he's thrown for two thousand yards, eighteen touchdowns, and six interceptions. So I don't. Uh, that's. I just. I don't. I would like to see Oklahoma State do it. I think Oklahoma State is kind of the last chance for a playoff team in the Big 12. But I just I just don't see them being able to deal with, with the talent of Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, and I'm also more power to Rattler. I didn't like him early on because he seemed kind of like a you know, like a heady, kind of like independent, like what I don't like out of a quarterback, like I'm so he great. absolutely, he absolutely is. Like, I'm so great. Much. Yeah, I'm so great. I'm so much better than everybody. But then, you know what? If you are better than everybody, you know it's just it's hard to argue. Shit, man. Uh, now that he's kind of gotten to get together, it's hard to you know be upset with the guy. He has put up some ridiculous numbers. Uh, anyway, there's another Heisman candidate probably next year though. So we'll see yeah, and I said I mean. Dude. If you want to know more about him, watch the season of QB1 that he is on. He does not come across well at all. All right. Well, that's all I got other than maybe another shutout to Western Michigan for uh, beating Central Michigan in another exciting matchup. Do uh, you have anything else to add before we sign off? I am I am all above the Kent State Golden Flashes, the fighting Nick Sabans. Um, <laughs> they are 62 points against Bowling Green, 69 points against Akron. I mean, they are going nuts. Uh, their coach is, from what I understand, kind of the – he's the youngest coach in football, apparently, and has done a really good job at Kent State. And I think is a guy who – the Big Ten, especially as they start having coaches cycle out, will probably be a guy that gets a call. Their hardest matchup might be this week going on the road to Buffalo. Everything else, I think they, I think they got it. You know, <laughs> like that's, uh, that's next weekend. Oh, I thought it was this. No, you're right. It's next weekend. Sorry. Yeah, because they played last night, which that's actually a cool game. Because I really like the coach in Buffalo too, Lance Leipold. He won, I think, like six national titles at Wisconsin Whitewater at D three. Yeah. And then moved up to Buffalo. It's actually put together, you know, some you know, has has kind of built a little bit of a program up there with the Bulls. Oh no, he's done a really good job. I think he's just had a little bit of bad luck, but I mean some other really good programs have started coming up in the Mac at around the same time. Kent State being one of them, they've done a great job. I'm 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 looking at their schedule. I guess they just play everyone in their division and then go to the championship. Is that? I think that's what they've done, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think you'll probably see at the rate things are going, Kent State versus Western Michigan in the championship. And like, and like one crossover, it looks like, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to see. 
who else from Western Michigan? Well, they might struggle against Eastern Michigan, but that's pretty much it, I think. Uh, so you might be looking at a Western Michigan Kent State matchup in the championship, and that'll yeah, be. Yeah, I think, fun. I think, like you said, this, this Buffalo Kent State game, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, will really kind of decide that division. It'll be. There's a lot to look forward to in the MAC. I mean, uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the MAC, it is magic. You you really got to watch it, especially coming down the stretch. Uh, but anyway. That's all I got for tonight. Um, thanks, as always, to our listeners for tuning in. Andrew, thank you for being here, as always. All right. And y'all have a good rest of your week. Take it easy, everybody. Stay safe. Bye.